Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. What is it, Lloyd? I thought it'd be nice for us to talk, just by ourselves. Sure. Here. It's hot coffee. Oh, thanks. Hot, isn't it? Yeah, it's really hot. It's actually iced coffee. What? I had genius make it cold. Oh, yeah, of, of course it's cold, of course. Uh, I lied! It's actually hot. Class is in session, and today we're taking our Rayards on a flight around Tethayala and Silverant. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I had the pleasure of welcoming to the university host from the Line Change actual, like, radio station show and reviewer from over at RP Gamer, John Jansen, to talk with me all about Tales of Symphonia. Welcome, professional John Jansen. How's it going? Thank you. Hopefully my analysis is professional. I might sound professional, so I can get away with some things, but uh, hopefully my thoughts as well. But I'm, I'm glad to be on. Big fan of the podcast. I love everything that you do uh, at RPG University, so I'm a huge fan of the pod, and I'm glad to be on, and I'm glad to be talking about a game and a series that I really enjoy. Oh, well, thank you. Like, you were the first person to legit, like, reach out, like, email me at the show email to want to be on here. And it filled me with such butterflies and happy feelings. It's like, yes, of course. Of yeah, because I, I see all the time. Sometimes a tweet will go out. You're like, oh, does somebody want to talk yeah. about a game and go on? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out so like I can just be in the back of his mind. And look, if he rejects me, that's fine. But I, I at least need to try. Uh, try and see if I can get on. And yeah, luckily you did reach back. And I did want to see you at PAX East. I was also at uh, at PAX East. I got to see some um, a friend of yours uh, that I had yeah. dinner with and people that we were talking to. So I'm glad I'm, I unfortunately didn't get to link up at PAX East, but um, it was good to just uh, chat uh, chat with some people that you knew as well. And uh, eventually- Yeah, I had no idea you were at PAX. And then my good friend- uh fan matt finman who's been on the show a couple times and was a part of my uh divinity original sin crew it was a great guy great time i actually roomed with him sent me a picture of you two and it's like what the what the (laughs) hell is going on and then my phone died and then finn guilted me for leaving it on scene and then there's like damn it all um but yeah i just found like that was when i found out you were there and it was like the sunday night or something it was one of the last nights it was of the PAX, last night I that remember. i was there it was yeah it was saturday night and i was leaving sunday we i left early sunday morning yeah. too so it was the last night i was there too and uh yeah i meant that that entire group is great and i was gushing about your podcast and uh, all that stuff but yeah you left oh. it on read and i was like oh man maybe he uh maybe he doesn't want to talk uh talk any rpg oh not at all <laughs> i mean for a little bit, I was a bit like, hmm, he is kind of from, he does write for a rival RPG site. Because I, I write a lot for RPG site and your RP gamer guy. We're rivals, um, right? Bitter rivals. We're like rivals-ish in my head canon, where RPG University is a school to the north. Um, that's my, my head canon. 
So we're you know. uh, we're like Edelgard and uh, Demetrius. We're we're bitter rivals. You're you're the north. I am south totally, okay. totally, um, Claude though. <laughs> oh, I, I'm Claude. Okay, yeah. RPG site can be Dimitri. I don't care, but I'm Claude. <laughs> you're Claude. Cause That's fair. I I just love being able to tell people to go buck themselves. <laughs> um, that's fantastic. It's I did like Claude. I loved Edelgard in that. I don't want to make this too much of a Fire Emblem because that's Fire Emblem Three Houses might be one of my favorite games. Uh, I absolutely yeah. love it. But it's uh, a yeah, solid game. Edel, Edelgard was awesome. I absolutely love that character. So uh, I, I definitely, uh, I very much like Edelgard from that game. Now, like we're before, like I, like I said before the show, there might be tangents. So with Three <laughs> Houses, like. Were you a fan of the Fire Emblem series before Three Houses, or did you jump on at Three Houses? I jumped on at Three Houses because I was always intimidated uh. by um, kind of strategy and tactical RPGs. And that was the game. I think it's really a good starting point because I loved all the you know the school building stuff, the the life sim type stuff. But the personification was, of yes, it. Yes, it absolutely. And I loved it. And I thought they did it so well, and it worked with a tactical RPG very well. Uh, but I think what it what what it also did was be kind of that kind of initial um, just foray into tactical RPGs, and it was a good starting point. So I was able to play mm-hmm. it, and like, okay, I'm getting some, even though it's not that hard, and I I understand all the qualms with the game's battle system. But for me, who was very new to tactical RPGs, I'm like, okay, this is teaching me the basics, and I can you know slowly progress through that. And so now I've been playing other tactical RPGs. I have gone back and played uh, Path of Radiance for Fire Emblem, and I have a few more uh, in the backlog mm-hmm. that I want to get into. But yeah, that was I think it was a good starting point for me for tactical RPGs because it can ease you into it very well. Yeah, have you tried to engage yet? I've not tried engage. Uh, I've been I've been stuck with a lot of life stuff. My brother's wedding uh, was very recent, so I've a lot of bachelor party stuff and things. So I haven't gotten to it, and I've been reviewing some games uh, for RP Gamer that yeah. uh, will be out. Some of those reviews out soon. Uh, but yeah, I have not gotten to engage yet, and I'm very nervous because it's uh it's apparently more of the hardcore kind of Fire Emblem. It's definitely more classic Fire Emblem. Yes, exactly. So that's why I was curious if you had uh, dipped your toe into that. I eventually will area. because I, I think oh, now yeah. I'm I'm too much of a Fire Emblem fan because of Three Houses that I'm eventually mm-hmm. just going to start playing all of them, including Engage uh, is one that I'm I'm going to check out at some point. Awesome. Awesome. Well, all great games. Fire Emblem's wonderful games. Three Houses, Engage, yada, yada, yada. Wonderful. But this is all about Tales of Symphonia, sir. So I think we should start talking some Symphonia. So Tales of Symphonia initially released on the japanese gamecube on august 29th 2003 it made its way westward to north america on july 13th 2004 and then europe on november 19th 2004 japan would see a playstation 2 re-release slash enhanced remaster i don't know what you would call it we'll say enhanced (laughs) port that makes sense uh that released in japan exclusively on september 22nd 2004 the playstation 3 would see an up res or a high definition bundle uh, with its sequel, Dawn of the New World, that on the PlayStation 3, releasing on October 10th, 2013 in Japan. North America got it February 25th, 2014, and the PAL regions got it February 28th of 2014. Microsoft Windows Steam would get it on um, kind of like a, a, a HD version. Um, worldwide, it released all at the same time on February 2nd, 2016, and then just a few short months ago, modern, well, 
last gen technically systems it's confusing the switch playstation 4 and xbox one got a version uh on february 17th 2023 so to get your mind listeners back into the the scheme of what you might have also been spending some of your time on back in 2004 if you were alive back then <laughs> i can't believe i had to say that at this point just want to make sure uh, you know but, i was alive back then i was i was, yeah. I was born you know i was, oh, I was perfect alive. <laughs> playing video games uh, a lot so excellent but yes also released in 2004 you had halo 2 grand theft auto san andreas metal gear solid 3 snake eater metal gear solid the twin snakes the uh mgs1 gamecube remake paper mario the thousand year door the first fable game jack 3 onimusha 3 3 demon siege metroid prime 2 echoes world of warcraft beautiful joe 2 half-life 2 and Star Wars Battlefront, just to name a few. What an absolutely stacked as fuck year. So what else were you <laughs> playing in 2004, John? Jack 3. I was playing Jack 3 a ton. I loved all those games. So Jack and Daxter games. I loved uh, Sly Cooper. And I think there was a Sly Cooper oh, game that Sly came out Cooper. that year. But I also was um, a big sports game uh, kid. So I was playing mm-hmm. Madden. I think... Uh, near this time, it would have been come out in August, but Madden 05, which was the first game that I really like, enjoyed NFL game that I thought was like, oh, this is the best. And I think where Madden kind of took their really big turn into what was a, a good golden year. So I was playing Madden a lot, Jack 3, um, but not Tales of Symphonia. I didn't get to Tales of Symphonia until much later on. Uh, but uh-huh. yeah, Jack, Jack 3 was one of those. I played that game relentlessly. See, I never, I had Jack 3, but... Jack 2, I just, I missed the just pure action platformer of Jack and Daxter precursor. And then it got a little too edgy and like I hated the driving in Jack 2. And it was perfect 2. for me who was a 10-year-old kid who that's like, cool, this is Grand Theft Auto, oh, but, yeah. you know, more cartoonish and perfect for a 10-year-old. So I, I was oh, all in on it. It was, you're probably right. The me- mechanics were great. The driving wasn't great. But for a 10-year-old kid, you're right. For, it was edgy and it was, you know, all these cool guns and cars to take. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I want to say I was... Let's see 2004 i was 16 at the time so for me i like for me i think it was just the controls i did not jive with the controls in jack 2 there i remember there was a racing part where i had to be in oh, a, the worst uh, <laughs> and it just drove me up a wall and i stopped playing jack 2 um it was it was kind of actually, a janky game to be honest with you yeah if i remember correctly but still i i i missed the Jack series. I miss this era of Naughty Dog. I do. I don't know. Wouldn't there be a place for for a new Jack and Daxter game? I feel like there would be a place for that now. And I feel like because, I, look, Jack, yeah. you're right. It was really edgy. But if they do end up, you know, streamlining more things and making it better, which with technology now you can, I feel like a Jack game would fit pretty well, I think, now. I... I 100% agree. Like, I love Sly Cooper. Sly Cooper is probably my one of my favorites the PlayStation, best. like, Sony-held IPs. Yep. Love Sly. So I had a friend that was big into Jack. I had a friend that was big into Ratchet and Clank, and I was the Sly Cooper kid. Um, And I, I mean, will live and die on the hill that we awesome. need a new Sly Cooper game. Yeah, I would love but one. I kind of feel like I completely agree that the this is a good time. Like, we, the world could use a new Jack and Daxter, but is I don't know if, and I don't know anyone at Naughty Dog, so I'm 
like 90% sure this isn't the case, but I just get the feeling that like they might view themselves as above. Oh, absolutely. At this point. Absolutely. And like that style of game is beneath them. Yeah. Because now they're, I hate to say more of a narrative storytelling game, but yeah, I think they're more serious and they have a TV show based on their game that is doing really well. So yeah, I think their their tone of what they were doing previously to now, I think, has shifted so much that I think the mm-hmm. world would be ready for a Sly Cooper game or Jack and Daxter game, but I don't I don't know if Naughty Dog is willing to go back to that. Um I feel like they it's say abandoned their roots, but they they've had a wildly successful game in The Last of Us. And that's the kind of game I think that they're going to continue to make. They're in the adult phase of life where it's like, (laughs) no, I can't associate myself with with that anymore. I'm I'm cool. But at the same time, though, imagine a Jack and Daxter with like a Last of Us budget. Oh, see, now that would be right. That would be because Ratchet and Clank, the newer one, like that production value was incredible. And I love that game. But imagine if, like, Jack and Daxter got that kind of, th- that Naughty Dog money. Yes, and, I hope so. Like, I hope Sucker Punch, or Sly Cooper gets that new Sly Ghost of Tsushima Sucker Punch money. You know, I, that's what I want. Yeah, why do these game studios have to be so mature now? You know, Ghost of Tsushima for Sucker Punch and The Last of Us for Naughty Dog. Give us just old classic, weird, silly games, uh, because I still, I, I still think even now I would enjoy the heck out of those. Even now, as a twenty-eight-year-old, thousand percent, thousand. I think we'd enjoy them more because every so many things are super serious right now. Yes, it's too and much. We live in a world where people can make millions of dollars doing thirty-second videos of themselves doing stupid shit online <laughs> and like lip-syncing. Like, imagine if Jack or if Daxter, like, they had a Jack and Daxter equivalent in, of TikTok, and they pick back up years after, and Daxter is like a TikTok star. <laughs> Daxter would definitely be a TikTok star. 100%. I know, right? That is, a, that is very good. I think Daxter would be. What would Jack be doing? What, what would... I could see him, like, helping world. Kira with, like, like being a um, mechanic and, like, doing stuff. He'd be one, yeah. Just more of a hands-on thing. Or, like, an archaeologist, more than maybe, like, a, uh, an Indiana Jones type. Going, getting into dangerous situations, finding precursor stuff. That'd be nice, but I, I can't get over. Daxter. Or training to be a new sage. There you go. You never. You could do that. I Daxter being a TikTok star though is one nailed it, one hundred percent. Yeah, I actually need great. that now. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be great. But like the real question is, which of the Tales of Symphonia cast would be a TikTok star? Oh. So let's discuss. Oh, oh I think Segway. <laughs> I need one of those like cool radio soundboards where I hit a button and they make really obnoxious things that make people on the other end shake their head. I, uh, I can't do that's that's, I mean. that's like an old school radio thing that some people still do. And I just like, man, I can't. <laughs> you know, I just can't bring myself to do all those noises. Yes. But yes, Tales of Symphonia. Now, John, you touched on briefly in one of the side tangents we just got through um, that you did not immediately jump into Tales of Symphonia back when it first released on GameCube. So tell us how you got, tell us your tale of Tales of Symphonia. <laughs> so I actually uh-huh. got into RPGs. I was very well done, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. So <laughs> I got into RPGs kind of later on. Uh, I was, as I said, a big sports game kid. So it wasn't until 
COVID, we're in quarantine, and I kept looking at this game box on the Nintendo Switch eShop, and it was Tales of Vesperia. And it was like, you know what? It's $9. I got all the time in the world right now. Let me try it out. I did. I loved it. And I have literally been strictly just playing RPGs since, going back and playing old ones. I've played almost uh, all the Final Fantasies dating back from like 8 all the way up to, uh, I played 15, didn't play 13. I think that's the only one I've really skipped. Mm-hmm. And so... I my brother loves RPGs, so I was like, we should play Tales because it's co-op, and not many games are co-op. So I think initially that that co-op idea was appealing to me because that's a cool way to play games with my brother, and it ended up being one of my favorite video game experiences because it's as kids it was really easy to sit down and play a game, and we did it all the time, you know, playing Smash Brothers yeah. or Mario sixty four, all of that, Zelda Ocarina of Time. But as you get older, it's really tough. So to finally have one of those experiences again, to sit down with my brother and play through an RPG, to look through the guide together, um, it was very nostalgic in that way. So while it wasn't nostalgic in the way of I hadn't played that game when I was a kid, uh, just the nostalgia of playing a video game you know, with my brother and sitting down and, and figuring things out and you know, playing through a big boss battle, that was awesome. And of course, then you play through Symphonia and it just has this amazing cast, amazing world and characters and... Uh, story so that was why i initially started though because i love the tale series and i wanted to do co-op and again maybe one of my favorite gaming experiences i've had lately wow like yeah that's super late i that's really really cool though yeah the the fact that you got into rpgs with tales of vesperia it's like vesperia was the first show we did um here at the university it's a huge huge favorite it's one of my top favorite tales games of all time and um yeah what a what a cool story but that's super late like you're you're still a baby i'm still a baby so yeah there's i do have some blind spots obviously i played some new stuff because i review games now so i'm able to play some new things and, and get into that but yeah there are some obvious blind spots that i have one of those is not the tale series i've obviously haven't played all of them but i've gotten gotten through a good amount of yeah. them so far uh so tales is the one that i just i i love it it's just because that's a jrpg that you wouldn't normally rec- recommend to new people you'd be like final fantasy because those games are big those have gotten mainstream so you know play a final fantasy game i went straight into the very junky part of jrpgs that obviously has this big following and obviously they still release games and tales of rise did really well but it's not the most well-known, and they're not known to be, like, the greatest. And I play Vesperia as my first JRPG, specifically, and one of my first RPGs. And I fell absolutely in love with everything. The aesthetic of it, the way it played, the story, um, how great casts can be in a, in a big ensemble cast in a JRPG. And, man, I fell head over heels in love with it and haven't stopped since. Man, it's... Uh... What what Tales games have you played so far? I know you mentioned Vesperia, Symphonia, and Arise. Have you played any of the others? Yes, I've played Berseria, uh, which I absolutely nice. love. The story to that. The combat so system, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't too big of a fan of. Um, but the story in that one, I mean, the ending is one of the best endings I've I've ever played in RPG. Oh, yeah. I still tear up thinking about it to this day. I've played Arise. I've played Abyss. Uh, I've obviously I played Symphonia. Uh, I played through half of Zestiria and I had to drop it because I was reviewing a game and I hadn't picked it up. But I actually, mm-hmm. while Saray was a bad character, I actually kind of liked Zestiria. Um, but I also played a little bit of Zillia, but that was just to to test mm-hmm. it and because and I, 
uh, got a gaming PC and I, I had a way of playing Zillia now. Um, so I, I did that and I, I loved it. I, that's one I can't wait to kind of get back into because that's yeah. the one I had very high hopes for. And early on, it is it kind of lived up to the hype. But again, only a few hours into that, but I definitely plan on playing that and picking it up again soon. Yeah, for me, like Tales of Symphonia was the game that got me into the Tales games back on GameCube. So I remember renting Tales of Destiny 2 or Tales of Eternia for PlayStation from my local video store back in the day, and it just never grabbed me. It was like, eh, it's okay. Um, I think it was, it was, I had probably rented it after the PS2 was already out, like late in the life cycle, and it just didn't do it much for me. But I remember the gratuitous amounts of marketing that Nintendo did for this game when it was first coming out, because GameCube had very few RPGs. It was not known as the RPG system. This was a big get. Yeah, Nintendo at that um, point, right? Because the 64 yeah. didn't have any. And so Nintendo at that point, yeah, like, we I don't mean, have any. They had so Quest 64, right. Hybrid Heaven, and maybe a couple others in Japan. But yeah, I mean, the N64 was a barren RPG wasteland everything had been moving over to the uh, PlayStation at that point. And the fact that Nintendo had gotten Tales of Symphonia back or the Tales series back because the first Tales game Fantasia initially released on the Super Famicom. And then the PlayStation got the next two games plus a remake of Fantasia. And Symphonia was the fourth main line game and they were able to pull it back from playstation get it exclusively launched at first on the gamecube so when it was brought over nintendo published it in the in the west like it was a huge deal there was marketing tons of stuff and i remember renting this over and over and over <laughs> until i beat it it was probably the only game i ever did this for where i kept renewing the game and I eventually beat it, and it wasn't until a number of years later that, excuse me, that I actually managed to get my own copy of it. But this game is what really sold me on the series, and ever since then, I, I've I've been a, a diehard Tales fan. I've imported some of the games. I I own every lo like localized version, including the That's old awesome. PlayStation games. It's, um, but yeah, like Symphonia always always has had such a special place in my heart yeah it, it did and because of that for me and i always as we were getting ready for this podcast you know i was kind of thinking does this game still kind of hold up and i'm sure we'll get to things mm -hmm. like that because it felt like symphonia for the gamecube and at that time was the perfect game for the gamecube it had the right aesthetic oh, yeah. um it had the battle system that i think a lot of people could have it may it could have gone mainstream and i think a lot of people could just pick it up casually and start to learn that battle system and the fact that it was more of like a fighting game kind of style mm -hmm. um the fact that it was 3d and the fact that it was a, a big you know open rpg uh that landed on the gamecube it just felt like everything was perfect for this game to succeed and so down the line you know does that still hold up and while i do think it does but i just i think it initially though that point i think yeah. needs to be said with this game it came out at the perfect time on the perfect system and was the perfect game for the gamecube at that time and it was a huge success huge oh it was and kind of adding on to what you just said also having four controller parts from like 
not needing an extra accessory to be able to have a friend on each character. You just bring over another controller for that multiplayer aspect. It's Symphony has always been one of those games where it, it's very interesting to get your perspective on this game because for me, I don't. I, I'm curious. What would you would you suggest Symphonia as a person's first Tales experience? As a first, it's, I personally wouldn't. I would not. I think actually, and I know Tales of Arise deviates a lot, and so starting off with you know one that's so modern first, but I still think it has a lot of those same beats um, and same same sort of story elements that it will still feel like a Tales game if you do have to go back and play an older one. Uh, but I would say because Arise was so good, I think I would say Arise. You know, Symphonia, because I, I think Abyss has its very iconic moments. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think everything with, uh, and I'm forgetting his name, Luke, uh, the moment Luke. that he has. Luke has an awesome character moment that I think is the best. Yuri, I, you know, you guys talked about this mm-hmm. way back in the first podcast for RPG University. Uh, but yeah, the the scene where Yuri ends up uh, trying to kill one of these aristocrats that was, you know, the, the criminal and uh, doing all these bad things. And it was such a big, iconic moment that still everybody talks yeah. about. Symphonia doesn't have that. It has a lot of silly moments, right? It has the the coffee scene, which we, we reenacted. Yeah. And uh, it's a very silly game. Everybody remembers Lloyd's It has wanted plot poster. twists. Yes. and It, it has it, a lot of good plot twists and not necessarily giant character moments yes like those exactly ones and so it's symphony is a weird one for me to recommend because i i don't know if i would consider that to be you know those iconic moments or ones that i think it would be great for somebody initially to go on but i, I think as a whole symphonia might be one of the most enjoyable to play and i think of the most enjoyable mm-hmm. world to to explore and and story to explore because this this has some of the best side content. The side quests are great. The character writing in terms of you know even the the silly stuff is so good in this game. So while it might not be the first one I recommend, I think that would be something like Tales of Arise for me, or I think Vesperia. Uh, if you want to mm-hmm. have more of a modern but older style game, uh, those would be the two I recommend. But Symphonia, once you get into the series, this is one that once you get hooked by Tails, play Symphonia, and it's going to be an absolute joy to play. 100%. I feel that this game really hasn't aged anywhere near as well as even, like, Tales of the Abyss has. Or Tales of Vesperia. Like, Tales of Vesperia, I absolutely love, and I think that is the pinnacle of classic Tales gameplay in a modern package. I think it... It's a very good bridge game to give you. This is kind of what classic tales is like, but with a lot of modern conveniences. Abyss a little bit less so, but Symphonia just. I look at Symphonia. I have a lot of fond memories of Symphonia from playing it and growing up with it, and it's a much more aged game. I feel like it is and if we're talking that era you're right it's tales of Vesperia, and i think it's it, the the numbers and the sales speak for itself yeah when the definitive edition came out people liked it and you know it was mm-hmm. picked up a lot and and people did enjoy enjoy the heck out of it so i think that was that that is definitely a, a sign yeah. of that was probably a more modern better aged game symphonia does it and you know what doesn't help it is Vesperia got a better definitive edition and a remaster, essentially, than Symphonia does. Symphonia, it hasn't been helped that they, the best version of it might still be the GameCube version. And 
like that that's not good considering they've ported it over to PS2 and PS3 uh and they've ported it over now to all the systems now the Switch yeah. and all that and still the best version is still from 2004 so i don't think it's helped that they've had chances to modernize this game a little bit to help out with some of that not saying you could do that entirely because you would be changing the entire game but they haven't i think treated this game as well as it mm-hmm. maybe should have they've they've treated it much more like just a cash cow i mean i yeah. think they've just taken not i don't want to say advantage taken advantage of consumers because i think that's much more nefarious than they're going with they've they've rested too much just on the laurels of the name in in the game itself and and i love the game but and i i would in my opinion i think the playstation 3 version is is the best way to play it because you get the added content kind of the the extra cameo outfits and stuff you get bundled with the um the sequel which is divisive i know and (laughs) it's still hd it's not anywhere near as glitchy or messed up as the latest remaster but you get it's a very solid bundle yeah, so I'm one of those. Um, it's just the, the, the 60, 60 frames. FPS. Yeah, it, it plays so, so well. Um, so, I, yeah, the GameCube version. I mean, obviously, I understand it because the, that version that you're talking yeah. about does have more content, and um, they do pretty well with that stuff. Again, I, I think Vesperia's Definitive Edition was awesome, and they added even more. Oh, it, you know, it was with amazing. The story. So I, I thought that was very good. So they have done a good job with that. Um, it's just that, yeah, I'm I'm stuck on I love how it feels and plays on the GameCube. I love how it feels. See, like, at this point, I have played it so many more times and more frequently <laughs> in 30 frames per second than I have in 60. Like, I can't, I legitimately can't remember the last time I went back and played the original um, GameCube release. Yeah, I have, so... I really can't. I, I think I put, we played the PC version, the Steam version. So I'm not sure. I think that just takes all of it That's from 30. PS3. Yeah, and that one's 30. Um, I'm into the emulator community a lot. Um, oh, yeah. And so I, I have... Shout uh, out to Game Preservation? Yes, shout out to that. And I think to preserve that version of it and to be able to yourself upscale it to like 1080p and to, put, to still have that 60 FPS. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just... That's the shame of it is there is a way to make that game look and feel great. It's just that yeah. they keep they, – and look, not to say the PS3 version probably is the best. Why can't they you know, end up putting it at the 60 FPS and really doing a better job of remastering it and how it looks in the HD visuals? You know, that's why that's why I'm I'm very much into the emulator community and game preservation because I think it does a better job and gives mm-hmm. more justice to these games than sometimes I think the developers do. From what I know, or from what I've heard, is the main reason is that the source code of the GameCube version that runs on a setup for 60 frames per second is gone. Like, right. They don't have it. Oh, I probably but imagine the, the 30 PS3 frames one. per second yeah, with from the PlayStation 2 version yep. okay. is still around. And that's a big reason why so many ports have been based on that one. Yep. Because they still had the source code. I did hear something like that. And that makes sense. But again, just maybe a little bit of work and, and you can do some of those right. things with, with that new one. But I mean, the the new remaster that just came out, I mean, that was a, a, that was a disaster. And I knew it was going to happen. And I'm, I'm into the Tales Reddit too. So I, I definitely yeah. read a lot. And everybody was, you know, this is not going to be good. There was just an anticipation of this might not go well. 
Uh, this just seems like they're putting it out there just to put it out there. And for the most part, I know a lot of people can be very negative and cynical at times, but for the most mm-hmm. part, I think a lot of people were right about it, that you know they didn't take care of it, and all they wanted to do was just throw it out there again on newer systems. Yeah. It, it felt very much like a lazy, lazy port, and it's a shame, but at the same time, though, like, as much as I love Symphonia, and I do, and honestly, with those remaster, if it's between not ha- playing any version or not playing Symphonia and playing that remaster, I, I would still play the remaster. I would not play it on Switch because I think that's the version that had the most trouble and that's what I reviewed it on. But it's still a wonderful game. But at this point, I'm so tired. Oh, yeah. Of Symphonia yeah. getting ports. Yep. There are so many other Tales games like Zillia that Zillion Zillia 2 that are locked, well, those on, PlayStation that are locked 3. on PlayStation 3. Races F. Um, there are games that have never been released over here, like legitimate Tales of Destiny 2, like Tales of um, Tales of Hearts, Tales of Innocence, Tales of Rebirth. It's like, I want those games, unless you're going to do a ground-up remake of Symphonia, I'm kind of okay not getting another Symphonia. Yeah, and I think the, the PS3 ones... Um, like Grace's F, I know it came out on Wii, but I think it came out in the States here on PS3, and Tales of Zillia, Tales of Zillia 2. As somebody who is now trying to go back and play a lot of games that I've missed, because I'm I'm somewhat yeah. new into RPGs, I will tell you it is absolutely dreadful to try and find PS3 versions of games and to play PS3 and, and to do it, because it's just, yeah. A, the PS3 is... Um, as you're as we're seeing now with the PlayStation Store, it's hard to get those games on newer consoles. It it takes a lot of work, so I understand why they might not have ported it yet. But it takes a lot of work, so not a lot of them are ported over. If they are, um, they are versions like the PlayStation Store where it's cloud versions. And look, it's one of the the harder emulators to run. So even if you wanted to do that with game preservation, you would have to have a pretty hefty rig to even try it. It's been literally the worst one. Uh, I think going back to, to mm-hmm. PS3 games, and it's a shame because I think some of, and from what I've heard and from what I've played so far, some of them, they might be the better Tales games of the entire series, and they're just kind of lost. Exilia is is definitely up there. I can't. Um, I know that's the one I can't wait to just pick back up and start playing. I cannot wait. So so good, but yeah, it's back to Symphonia. What was having? somewhat recently played through what were kind of your favorite characters like what was your go-to party in this game so my go-to is definitely i'm always the the main character so i don't know if you play rpgs like that but like when i play Mm -hmm. tales of arise the first time i'm going to be alpha in the entire time then i'll start doing you know all those experimenting with different characters in the second playthrough. so i'm always lloyd um but i always had kratos in when he obviously was in the party um, I did not have Sheena in. Sheena was terrible. Colette early on had some really good because obviously she was going through the the angel change. And so she would have yeah. some really potent spells. And then I would also keep in rain. The ones I didn't use at really hardly at all were Genus and um Genus mm-hmm. and Sheena, because I just felt like they weren't they weren't too useful. Especially Sheena. She was just not worth putting in a party. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame because she's a really good character. Yeah. Yeah, for me it was Lloyd for sure, Rain, Genus, and then the um third character or the last character could change depending on 
my needs whether i need mm -hmm. another healer then i throw in colette if i need more damage dealer like physical i throw in kratos or um um oh uh, zealous yeah kratos um, and zealous for the same thing they had so many different use cases though so i always had at least mm -hmm. one of those in they were they were very good and even i think uh would have basic but even have some healing spells as well uh, that you could use so they were very useful so i at least had kratos oh, yeah. or zealous in at, almost at all times yeah, and I gotta say, what a freaking stellar voice cast this game has. It's... The voice work and actors they have for Tales of Symphonia, like A-plus tier, like S-tier. So good. It is one of the best draws, I think, of Symphonia, and we talk about the age of this game. And look, not everything is voiced, and it is kind of odd at times, um, some scenes that they do voice, and some scenes they don't because it seems like mm -hmm. mm, you could have used it somewhere else. But the cast itself is incredible, and I think it is one of the biggest draws. And because I, they got some pretty big name voice actors. Obviously, the the guy that does Batman for the Teen Titans Go uh, did Lloyd, and like that's a very Robin. good voice actor. Robin, yes, uh, that's what I meant. Robin and uh, Teen Titans Go, he, he was awesome in this. So they, mm -hmm. I, I think that was a big. Because voice acting had just gotten, I think, as like Final Fantasy X was starting it, and I think games were starting more and more voice acting. And so I think Symphonia really had to make that kind of effort to make sure the voice cast was really good uh, and to make sure it did, you know, the production of it sounded great because that's where things were going. And they put in the money for it, they put in the effort for it, mm -hmm. they got the right cast, and it paid off very well. Oh, yeah, you had Cam Clark from like Metal Gear Solid. Uh and Ninja Turtles, and all sorts of cartoon voice acting fame. You yeah. had Jennifer Hale, also from uh, Metal Gear Solid, and all sorts of other cartoons and games, and it was so good. Yeah, and I'm seeing Carrie Walgreen, so, who so was good. a very good voice actress. I mean, every every single one. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they went out and made sure to get a really good voice cast. I think that was something that was prioritized. Obviously, now it's aged because everything is voice acted. Like there's not a single thing I think in Tales of Arise that isn't, you know, doesn't have voice acting to it. Um, but back then that was huge. That was a big deal. Oh yeah. Uh, and that was something that they really needed to put some effort into. And they did it so well that I think it is one of the very few things that just, that, that aged wonderfully. Yeah. Scott Menville was. Yes. Lloyd. That's his name. Yep. Scott Menville. So it was about, Oh, it's probably a year, maybe a year and a half at this point. I wanted before they had announced that another port of Symphonia was coming out. I wanted to. I had this idea for a playthrough, like a challenge playthrough of Tales of Symphonia, or really any Tales game, where I was going to be. I was hands off, basically. Jesus, take the wheel, <laughs> and I had all my characters be on auto. Ooh, okay. So the only thing I could do was change their orders. Like, kind of attack from afar, protect, or whatever, like the simple, like, flick of the C stick um, to adjust. And I would let myself use a, um, oh, what the name of the, the eyeglass that lets you read the, um, magic lens. Enemies. Yeah, yeah. Magic lens, yes, the magic lens. I would let, I would manually use uh, magic lenses, but besides that, AI only. Wow. So oh. I didn't do I 
I don't know how much that the the strategy part of the battle system actually worked, but I would mess around with it so much. I would take full control of Lloyd. Uh, I would always have mm -hmm. to make sure that characters uh, AI wasn't using too many because they would go through. That's we're gonna go through tips. One very small tip: make sure the AI isn't using every single one of your healing items because they will go through that relentlessly, and they'll also go through their magic relentlessly if you don't kind of keep them in check. Um, so that I would, I would mm -hmm. make sure I had that in control. I would manually almost do everything. So I would manually do healing. I would manually, even manually use spells. Like I go into the to the menu, um, and I would have certain characters do spells depending on, obviously, of course, what mm -hmm. the elemental weaknesses or uh, what I wanted. But yeah, I would do, I would do a lot of it myself um, because I, yeah, like the AI was decent. But that is one thing about Symphonia, especially some characters. The AI is not great. And so no, I, I felt like no, I, I always had to be in control of it and always managing, you know, almost every little thing. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was first playing through this game and like with not being super familiar at the time with the Tales series, like I just left everyone's spells turned on <laughs> and going back and playing later on, it's like, why would I ever keep every spell like the base level fireball, like the base level arts i just kept on for everyone it's like oh that's it makes it so much easier when you limit what the ai can cast yeah. we're using quick commands to force ai to like resurrect someone it's it's just so much easier when you play as the game intends you to play yeah uh, and i i at least think they would use the more the better spells you got they would end up using those um, there are some cases though where you just want like instead of using this rock move, I want you to use water because we're going up against yeah. a character that's weak to it. So I would make sure to take every single one of them off and do strictly that move. Uh, so there's there's case I do it like that, but I think they did a good enough job in if there was a better spell, they were going to use the ones that would you know end up doing better. And obviously, uh, mm -hmm. if I had a limit on their, I think is it MP in this one. Um, their their magic TP TP that's what it is. Uh, so if their TP was down, obviously they would start using spells that wouldn't take up so much. Uh, but I, I think for the most part, I didn't mess around with that too much, other than to make sure I had the weaknesses. Yeah, it's it's so good. So I, I mentioned this earlier how this game has less big character moments like the uh, like Tales of Arise or Tales of Berseria, Vesperia, etc., and m much more plot twist it's very plot twist heavy what was probably the biggest plot twist for you like the one that really was like no way i did not see that one coming so i th i think it's the one that everybody it's this game felt like it was going to go a certain direction the entire time it felt like final fantasy 10 right this journey and uh you, you've got to do everything to save the world and, and basically colette becomes this sacrifice and that was a that was a defining moment for me for Tales because they there are some games that followed that same kind of story structure of mm -hmm. a similar setup, do a huge twist to completely go in a different direction. But I just did not see that coming from Symphonia. And once it happens, that game opens up in a big way. And uh, this game that seems very silly because at first the tone is very silly. Um, it seems mm -hmm. like they're almost poking fun at Final Fantasy X at times and kind of this whole journey. But then you mm -hmm. realize that poking fun also is like, okay, yeah, what this journey was is very hypocritical. And they go a deeper into that once that twist happens um, where the angel goes, you know, you're going to be the sacrifice and there's two worlds and 
uh, that Colette was, you know, basically sacrificing herself and her body's going to crystallize and all this. And so when that happened, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this game, the tone of this game shifted, and I'm, I'm, I'm understanding um, what this game's going for. You know, to poke fun at, you know, that journey a little bit in Final Fantasy X, but also to to show the hypocrisy of it and the hypocrisy of sacrifice and yeah, um, how frugal it is. So uh, yeah, I that twist always gets me, and I know it's probably the most known one, but that's the one that every single time that's that's where the game changed for me big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was when that whole opened up like the duality of the two worlds, but the Kratos reveal, I think was the big, yeah, that was a good one. (laughs) Yo, (laughs) what? (laughs) What? And like all the hints, like with no wish and everything is like, yo, that's Uh, awesome. And very sad. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, the Kratos stuff was great. He ended up being, I would say the most interesting character. And uh, obviously because Mm -hmm. of those twists and, and you know, the connections with Lloyd, uh, but just the entire time, it felt like he was always the one you would be drawn in the most to listen to and and just had that. Because the voice acting was so well done that Kratos just sounded mysterious and sounded interesting. And he ended up having one of the most interesting backstories of the entire game. So yeah, that reveal was also, uh, that was very big. Very. So good. Like, this, this game is really special it really is special like don't play it as your first experience but once you get hooked on the tales games you have to experience this game no doubt yeah and i think a lot of it is because the story i don't know if it's going to be for everyone uh because i think they are going for almost tales of arise i felt like the, the the connections there and it felt like tales of arise literally was just modern symphonia um but the main characters play this very naive character, right? It's it's very idealist. You know, I I want everybody to be happy. I want this kind of, you know, win-win mm-hmm. world for everyone. And, you know, everyone's happy. Everyone can live in a world. And to me, it, it works so well because I think Tales does a great job of going, we know it's naive. We know it's not going to be a solution. And it ne- things aren't ever going to work this way. But it's better to try than to still have things like, you know, the elves and half elves being um, discriminated against the way that they were. So it's this very cool idea of, yeah, naivete is naive and people Mm -hmm. scoff at it, but also naivete leads to potentially better outcomes. And at least it's better to work for a world without that than it is to, you know, just kind of go with the flow and go with the status quo. And that's what I think that game was. That game was they went with the status quo. They went with what was familiar. They knew about the chosen one and the journey. But once they start going away from it and because mostly because of Lloyd's ideals, you know, that's when the game, I think, does some like interesting narrative work. So, again, not for everyone, Mm -hmm. because I know the Tales of Arise ending was panned by a lot of people, even though I loved it. Um, and I think Symphonia is the same thing, but if if you do kind of understand it, and I hate to say understand it, but um, at least appreciate that. I did a lot. So I, I think that story, mm-hmm. while the story is not this incredibly complex thing, uh, I think it does a very interesting work in, you know, again, pointing out the hypocrisy of um, sacrifices and, and things like that. Yeah, I rem- when I replayed it or restarted it up a year or so ago, I was like, Damn, I all whenever I replay it, I always forget how much just like, oh, there's a hell of a lot of racism in this game. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, it, racism it, everywhere. Because it's this 
world is so it's a cell shaded game and it's very vibrant and it's very anime and i i think a lot yes. of that is just looked at okay so it's a silly game and look the the first half of this game they do a lot of silly stuff um i mm-hmm. even there was one the the town you go into and it's on a harbor and there's a boat there and you could actually take the boat i think to go to the wind temple and you can skip the water temple first yeah. or whatever like that but you go on there and somebody's at the top of the boat the the far end of the boat and uh, they make a Titanic reference, and I was laughing my ass off at that. I was like, "That's fantastic! What mm-hmm. what great 2004 humor!" And like very nostalgic <laughs> to to see. Uh, yeah. But it's it's very silly. The coffee scene, like that's a that's a a good scene because it ends up, you know, I think doing um, really good work between the characters of Colette and Lloyd and uh, Lloyd mm-hmm. trying to say you you don't have to do this all on your own. And I think the the first of his idealist ways of get, trying to get to Colette of you don't have to do all this by yourself and you don't have to be mm-hmm. one that's so, you know, for others and not for yourself, but it's under the coffee scene and it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. And it's so weird. Uh, so I love when a game like that can do it where it's the tone is, it can be really serious, but man, this game mm-hmm. is silly as hell uh, in the first few, uh, first few, I would get, I say chapters of it, I guess. And, uh, yeah, it's fun though. That's why, that's what I liked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you. So I'm curious. You are, I literally just discovered this before, uh, <laughs> we, we went on air. You are like a sports broadcast, like a sports news radio host right yes i uh i'm a sports radio host uh in philly and it's for a sports gambling station but yeah i'm a a radio host uh work at iheart and uh fox sports the gambler is the radio station but yes that is that is what i am by trade okay now i'm gonna pull on your sports knowledge <laughs> for a second there there is a reason i bring this up what would be the sport of silverand what would be the national pastime of silverand Wow, that is and and give me some team names. The sport of Silveron, it would have to or Tethyala, whichever or you Tethyala, want. Yeah, um, that's a good one. So Silveron, I would say is very much. Hmm. You know what? I'll say I'll say baseball for Silveron because baseball is you know America's national pastime, a very old sport, and kind of gets stuck in its ways, right? I feel like that's mm-hmm. Silveron, you know, very old school, stuck in its ways and not moving forward. And it's been the same way for, what, 4,000 years, they say. So I would say baseball. Um, they are very comfortable with the sport of baseball. It's nothing new. It's nothing like football, which is crazy, you know, back in those days. Uh, so I would say I would say baseball. Yeah, I mean, they believe in angels, so they're very... Uh, there you go. There's the... Ang- <laughs> anglo sac like Anglo... Angelico, like, you know, Christians, Christian focused. <laughs> uh, there is a baseball team called the Angels. Like America. So yeah. So there you go. The Silveron Angels, I could go with. I would have to look up town names and uh, we could really go through it. Um, but yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> the, the Angels reference. But yeah, I, I think it would be baseball because of that, because of, of how um, how that Evangelical Silveron. Yes. With their angels who are actually space elves. Yeah. <laughs> What a wild game. <laughs> God, I love this game. Uh, but yeah, okay, so I would it would be basic. A lot of, a lot of turns. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like, yeah, these, these like religious undertones as well that we haven't really like uh, gone through. There's just so much in this game that you wouldn't expect because it just looks cutesy and uh, 
cartoonish and things like that. But it has all these really cool themes that I don't know if it it does justice to all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it really fleshes all of them out. But it's just inter- interesting that this is the kind of game that has a bunch of them. Yeah. Now, I'm curious. So this is side tangent. Uh, I've always been curious, and as from a radio guy perspective, I want to know, and maybe. Maybe we can pitch this to iHeart. I don't know. <laughs> but why isn't there like an XM radio station that's just games? There are like movie review like radio stations. There's like movie oh, radio movie stations. There's pop- NPR. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch. Like, why isn't there a video game XM channel? I'm I'm shocked that there isn't because there are some big podcasts. So obviously. I love RPG University and I listen to it, but like Acts of the Blood God, um, they do a great job. Like there's all these podcasts that do extremely right. well and are extremely successful. And why wouldn't you create a radio station around those personalities? Um, yeah, I asked. It's so like- they did my, one of my program directors for um, fantasy sports. I think he initially was a program director for like an esports station um, mm-hmm. at Sirius XM. And uh, I don't think they it just. It ended up being, you know, more fantasy sports, and they would move over to just um, fantasy sports talk in general. But yeah, I there is there is a market I want to do it. NPR, but video games. Absolutely. Well, I think what people may be learning about video games all of a sudden, and some of my favorite YouTube channels. I think Resident Arc um, does a really good job of narrative analysis. But uh, the thing mm-hmm. about movies is, it's like these very, uh, very good complex stories. And people are drawn mm-hmm. to analysis of that and and breaking down those stories and you know how characters end up with the decisions that they make, the themes that they're playing on. But I think people are finding out, and The Last of Us, you know, it's a great story, but there are so many great stories out there in video games. Yeah, I think you could have a, a, an NPR-style thing, just like movies do, just like TV shows do. And I think people are starting to realize that, these video games have incredibly interesting stories and complex stories yeah. and incredible characters that you can have a long analysis, long form analysis on them and really break it down. So yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think video games don't get talked about in the same way. I'm a movie guy. So I, 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 I consume all of that stuff and I, I talk about movies in that way, but I feel so strongly about video game stories, you know, doing very, complex thing it's not just the last of us like i think you can break down jrpgs like tales of symphonia that have these really interesting worlds and stories so yeah i I think you're right i think video games don't get talked about and don't get the the platform to be talked about in that way when i think it should i mean it's one of the largest entertainment industries ever it has like big news that goes on that impacts the stock market absolutely xbox acquisitions things like that Fuck it. Let's pitch Game PR, Game Public Radio. Yeah. Let's go. I, I you mean, and me, John. You're, you're right, though. I mean, there's there's so many things. And, and again, just from being now dipping my toes into the, the games media world, that there's a lot that happens. I mean, PAX East was, yeah. I mean, my head was spinning. And that's that's considered one of the smaller ones, right? That's not like the mm-hmm. you're getting the Xboxes out there with these big reveals. Um, but even then, it was just it felt like there was so much coming out of that, and and my head was spinning just trying to be able to soak it all in and, and cover a lot of the things that I had to cover. But yeah, you're absolutely right that the the games right? media could use something like that, and then they could put this podcast on there so you can hear our Tales of Symphonia breakdown. 
on exactly it's like you could have like breakdown you could have like all things considered game edition where you talk about like you know is silveron anglo-saxon focused yeah what sport would be the official sport of silveron (laughs) yeah the silveron stickballers association oh my Um, gosh yeah i was just curious it's like why can't i go like change my radio to like gaming public radio and hear about discussions of the big gaming topics. absolutely like, I, I, why is it i think there's a market to podcasts on like GameSpot or mm-hmm. ign great sites and i know people that work for both of those all those places and they're lovely lovely uh, people. love all the yeah love those sites all the, everything but yeah I, I think you're right untapped it, potential because i mean i i do it too i so i since i work in sports radio I, I tend not to listen to it as much because, you know, that's what I do. And so it's it's mm-hmm. hard to just, okay, I just did this for three hours, so I don't want to hear somebody else do the same job I just did for three hours. So I tend to I tend to look for, um, you know, game stuff. I, I, I want to consume mm-hmm. games media and listen to podcasts, videos, and uh, things like this and RPG University and uh, Acts of the Blood God, but even, you know, more specifically other things like Resident Arc YouTube channel. Uh, that does a really good job at breaking down a, a narrative analysis of games. You know, there I think there is yeah. a hunger for games to be talked about like that, and they just that's a, and that's a shame for games because they just get pigeonholed into, uh, especially a mainstream audience. Oh, like video games like Call of Duty. What are you going to talk about Call of Duty all the time? It's like, all right, I get it, but the, I think now because again, The Last of Us, and I look, I think there are other games, and people are aware of stories being really good. But The Last of Us in this TV show, it's like everybody, it opens eyes, I think, a little bit more to a wider audience that, hey, these stories are good and they hold up very well mm-hmm. and they can be involved in other mediums. You know, I, I think there's eventually going to be a good movie on a video game. It wasn't the Mario movie, but I eventually think there will be because there is a lot of sort, there's a lot of material and good material and complex material that you can take into those mediums. And I think once that's done more, and I don't think that's, that needs to be the validation. I just think that it needs to open up eyes more than just people that think, oh, well, video games are multiplayer and Call of Duty and FIFA and you know Madden and things you like that. You just shoot people and score touchdowns. Right, exactly. Like vi- thinking of video games on a very basic level, it's it's more than that. I, and I think some of my favorite stories are video games. And I wouldn't say Symphonia is one of my favorite stories, but it's a damn good one and one that I, I'd love to – that's why I wanted to talk about it uh, and one that I would love to go back and talk about because it, it is – interesting and it does a lot of really neat things we are not the only people that think this about tales of symphonia like a lot of people have similar fun and very important memories and moments tied to this wonderful game and many of those people have submitted some of their favorite memories so john how about we go around the web so we're going to start off here, and I will give... Uh, the, do I have to give the names as well? Because the first one is fantastic. Iwombo underscore you Wombo from Reddit. Just so good. Uh, collecting the Devil's Arms and fighting um, Absian. Uh, such a satisfying side quest and boss fight. And definitely want to highlight all the funny gags they put in this game. Uh, Persia and Colette being super strong and using that to just trash on men. Colette flying over the Tethayala Bridge while everybody else falls. And the infamous Hot Springs scene. And so many more little funny skits and scenes. Yeah. And, like, just touching on that again. What a heart-wrenching story behind Persia. 
Yeah. Her and, um, I, I need to mention Regal as well. That's probably one of my yes. favorite backstories. I, again, a one, I, I, and that's what I, I love about JRPGs in particular, is that they will use kind of these things, like he has to handcuff his hands because he doesn't want to use his hands because that's who he was forced to use to kill his wife. And he's this very strong man and he was forced to do it. Um, and so he doesn't want to use his hands for that again. Uh, but I, th I think that stuff, while it may look silly, I just, I love very strong um, thematic threads that run throughout. And that's one that I like that, the idea of doing that. You know, it's ridiculous, but that's what, that's what movies are. That's what video games are. It is meant to be mm. ridiculous and put characters in different situations and have them, um, you know, symbolically doing things because I think it ends up fleshing out the story better. So I'm, I'm into that stuff. Even movies, I think there are, uh, I think there are a lot of movies that use that kind of symbolism very well. And a lot of it is like Korean movies and and Asian movies and Japanese movies in particular, where they'll use that symbolism. Or it may look ridiculous, but it, it does very well in, in showing what they're trying to do with whatever themes there are. So Regal is a good example of that, uh, and mm -hmm. I think they absolutely nail this character. I will say him being, no, my hands are too strong, I will I'll never use them again, is such an anime as fuck yes! thing to do. But that's the thing, I love it anime! It is anime <laughs> AF. I am all into anime, and I was like, that's great! And that, that is such an anime thing, though. You're... Beat it into my blood. Injected it right alongside Power of Friendship. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> Next up, we have user AudioDog74 from Reddit. They say, most of mine involve Sheena, but I'm biased as she's one of, is with her being one of my favorite characters in the series, so I'll go with something different. I'd say my favorite non-Sheena moment would be when Kratos rejoins the team. Yeah, like, a lot of the stuff with Sheena... I think Sheena's story is incredibly strong. Corrin yes. will never not make me cry. I love kind of the struggle and everything in Sheena's backstory and how she has to overcome her stuff with Volt was really powerful. And I love how kind of clumsy Sheena is. Like, she is a very well-rounded um, character in terms of her backstory and everything. I, I, yeah. I love Sheena, and that, even that... if I don't like having her in my party. Oh, I know. She's just a horrible character to use but yeah but I, I just like how the, also that clumsiness um part of it is like she's she's really struggling i think to find herself and so mm -hmm. she's she puts a lot and uh, on her shoulders of the responsibility of her village and and making sure she does right by her village and she takes a lot of missteps and she gets a lot of things wrong uh, but i that's incredible for character work and i you, people can relate to those characters very well. So yeah, Sheen is one that I I absolutely adore. Um, great backstory. A lot of these characters are just very good, but it, I think hers was maybe the most well-rounded and fleshed-out story in all of Symphonia. So I really I really enjoyed mm -hmm. her. Um, so Deus Vitae sixty nine, nice from Reddit. Uh, I came from a rough home growing up, so that game was my escape. My teen years were full of replays of this game, and I can quote a lot of scenes by heart. Uh, yeah, it's some some very well written and funny scenes and skits. Probably some mm -hmm. of the best skits. Doing a Tales game. Yeah, I the skits are one of the aspects that I really wish like could have easily made the remaster such a a knockout of the park or any of the remasters was had they actually brought the voice actors back yep. to voice the lines. Because yep. they're voiced great. in Japanese, but they've never been voiced in English, and that would have been amazing. I wish we could have gotten that because it helps a lot. It does. It, it really does. It really does. 
Next up, we have user Tatsunoko Korox1 from Reddit. They say, When I started playing this game, I was 11 years old and had just lost my father to cancer. My brother had a GameCube, and I remember staying at his place for some time because my family didn't want to tell me he had passed away yet. Little did they know, I actually had figured it out on my own. Anyway, this game was just what I needed at that time to distract myself from things. I instantly fell in love with it, and remember it was my first game that actually impressed me with its story. Yeah, it's... It's amazing, and I know I've mentioned this in numerous other episodes with submissions like this, but it will never cease to amaze me how much of a comfort, safety net, escape a good RPG can be for people. Um, An RPG specifically. I know video games, for, but I think that, that genre specifically. And look, I played Vesperia for the first time when it was during COVID quarantine, and you know, all of us obviously mm-hmm. were scary and you know, going stir crazy because I'm just sitting in the same spot over and over again. But to immerse yourself, I, I think that's what's what's great about it. and Tales is a, a good job of it. It's very immersive and there's all of these side quests to do and different areas mm-hmm. to explore and it's just you can get and I did it, me, me and my brother when we played, I did it. I got lost in this game. And that's that's incredible and that's very powerful. Again, when you want to get lost into something. And I think Tales games especially Symphonia. Symphonia I think is one of the better ones at that. Um, where it's just really immersive, and I think can be a good escape. Mm-hmm. So, from Lunartic from Reddit, uh, it was depression healing in all honesty, and I've seen people say that before, it was such an immersive game, graphically ahead of its time, and it was so long. I remember beating Magnius and telling my friend who had already completed it, and I think it's nearly over. He said, you're probably like 13% through it. So, in my answer, fond- my fondest memory is just playing yeah. When that whole second world thing hit, and it's like, oh, I'm nowhere near the end, am I? Oh, I, I, I remember that feeling. That's the that's the best feeling. <laughs> it really is. It was so good. <laughs> oh, so so good. But lastly, we end with user artist Yutaki from Reddit. They say, simple, playing it with my little brother, start to finish. He's currently working in another city, and I miss him a lot. I wish we still had time like this to just play a complete game and experiencing its story together. Oh man, that hits me right in the feels. Yeah. It was really yeah. When you were mentioning earlier playing with your your brother um, and everything, yeah, I yeah, remember. it's it's amazing to experience because it's it's fun. That's usually when mm-hmm. you first start playing video games as a kid. I think even now a lot because I mean a lot of it's multiplayer, uh, but even kids going on Fortnite and playing Fortnite with friends, but. You know, it's it's completing games. Back, but back in our day, it was, you know, completing co-op games and going through stories and beating yeah. something together. Uh, I think the only other, like, co-op experience I had that's been really good was, um, I think it was A Way Out, it was called. Um, and it was strictly meant for co-op. And so me and my brother played that and loved the heck out of it. But hadn't played another one for a while because just not many co-op games. And so when I found out Tales yeah. games could be co-op, when I found out that the good co-op, I, that was immediate play, and man, it brought back so many memories. We were eating junk food, we were eating chips, you know, wiping off the <laughs> dust from the chips uh, onto our, our gym shorts. It was just great. I had big leaders of Mountain mm-hmm. Dew. Always had to have Mountain Dew as a kid when you're playing video games. Oh, got us. <laughs> so we did that. Yeah, it's just, it's great, and I'm glad other people also got to experience that way as well. Yeah, but 
thank you to each and every one of you who's uh, submitted your favorite memories. Now, after hearing all of us talk about these wonderful memories and how special this game is, you might be wondering where you can get yourself a copy of Tales of Symphonia. Well, we are here to help you out with that as well. Currently, technically, the easiest way to get this game is via the um, Nintendo eShop on Switch, the PlayStation Store, or the PlayStation Network, or on the Xbox One Store um, for the brand new remastered version. It's not the best version, but it is available um, also on Steam. I believe it's $39.99. If you want more retro versions, let's say you're looking for a copy on uh, the GameCube, the 60 frames per second, John's favorite version. Um, <laughs> for t- currently on price chart, according to price charting, a North American copy loose, just the two discs, is $25. Complete in box is about $38. And a still sealed copy, if you can find it, is currently right sitting at about $125. For the PlayStation 3 Tales of Symphonia Chronicles version, a loose disc is 16 bucks complete in box about 20 and then a new copy if you can find it is about 40 uh let's see tales of symphonia remaster um they're actually 29.99 or no 39 i already told you the price of the other ones they're about (laughs) 39.99 i'm getting all mixed up but yes still pretty easy to find just depends on what you want to play it on so now, let's say you have hypothetically gotten yourself a copy of this game. Well, John and I are here to help you with some tips and tricks to help you along your way. So, John, what tips or advice would you give to brand new chosen ones? Yeah, so I haven't mastered the battle system. I was okay at it, but I haven't mastered it. So I don't have many tips there, but we talked a lot about how, how many great side quests there are and how there's so many things to do and content to find. It is very easy to miss that stuff, though. This is an old game, so you can miss it. Uh, you might not even know. Sometimes it's hard to figure out even how to start some of these quests. So to me, it's make sure to find and complete side quests. It's one of the best aspects of the game. You can unlock great items. You can find hidden boss battles. So essentially... Look for a guide. Uh, It doesn't have to be a guide to get you through the whole game if you don't want that, but just make sure as you're going through these areas, you are starting some of these side quests because you can easily miss them and easily miss out on some of the best parts of the game. And for me, I will suggest using tech guides to be able to plan out which arts you want to unlock as you progress. Now, there's two different, like, there's a, a meter that each character has that will fluctuate depending on what kind of arts you use, ranging from tech or the T or S, which I think is tech and special. And as you use more of a certain kind, you will be more apt to unlock additional arts along the of, of those type. So if you really want to kind of plan ahead and see which ones will, or which skills will unlock which ones, consult a tech guide. It will really, really help you. So... Those are our suggestions yeah, for you. Yeah, guides are good for this game. <laughs> Remember, yeah. it's an older game. Guides are good. Guides are very good for a game like this. Exactly. It's made with early 2000s game design methodology. Yep. <laughs> so, I've always now, wanted to get my get hand to... on a copy of one, of, um, one of them, like an actual physical copy of it. I always like that stuff. I don't do much like oh, collecting yeah. or anything, but I've always thought that would be great to have like one of those guidebooks. Mm-hmm. I always love them. Oh, I, I'm a big strategy guide collector, and I'm, 
Are you really? That's both. awesome. I miss strategy guides and I miss uh, instruction booklets in my games. Yeah, instruction booklets are great. Uh, but strategy guides, I had a lot of, because I, I was a kid who played, so I was like six years old trying to beat Ocarina of Time. And obviously it's hard as hell because um, mm-hmm. some of the puzzles and like I'm a kid. So I, as a kid, I loved the guides, and it was cool because they had all the artwork in there too, and it was, they were just yeah. I don't know, it was just fun to even look at and read, and uh, I love strategy guides. That's one thing in gaming I I do really miss. Yeah, they're they were just so good. We are on to one of my favorite parts of each episode: the monster or enemy of the week. So, John, what enemy are you submitting to the arena this week? So, uh, Tales and Symphonia enemy. That would be very memorable, right? That you would think, oh, this battle was, uh, man, a tearjerker. Marble, my enemy of the week. Um, Marble has a great story. Breaking hearts. I know, a great story where you, uh, Genus is friends with her and you meet her and, you know, through Lloyd. Um, and you get to meet her and her story. And then they use her and make her a monster um, with, one of the, uh, with one of the rings. Um, I, I forget what they're called, but they... It's embedded in them, and it turns them into monsters if it's not properly uh, placed on a character. Or key on a crest. A uh, crest. No. Key cr- yes. I think it was something like that. I think the key crest is the one that helped them. The key them. crest kept us safe. Yeah. Yes. Kept it safe. X-Spheres. X-Spheres. And so the X-Sphere turned Marble into a monster, and that was, again, one of... Like, this game is cutesy and adorable. You're in a classroom, and you're going to sacrifice for the greater good of the world, and it turned dark even that quick. Like this moment of, oh, here's this marble character who was really endearing and charming uh, and you just wanted to do well and now she's a monster and Lloyd and Genus have to learn the tough lesson of consequences and it is rough. So I will say marble. I had to make one marble yep. reference on this podcast. Uh, it was very, very sad uh, throwing you right into things, but marble will use two arts against you, the impact hammer and the insane call. Um, you fight her as an ex-Bella, ex-Bella, um, but yeah, a very emotional, emotional fight right at the beginning of Tales of Symphonia. Rest in peace, Marble. Rest in peace. Poor Marble. <laughs> uh, she has, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't have the rest of her stats, but, yep, that's Marble. And that is means we are going to call this episode to a close john thank you so much for joining me this this week it's been a lot of fun to finally talk to you sir yeah it has been uh i again i love the podcast i love all the work you do um i was gushing about this to Finn, but i think your knowledge of rpgs is vast and a ton of it uh so i love your reviews over at rpg site love the podcast so just glad uh glad i can come on a podcast with you and chat up some symphonia Really enjoyed that. Oh, it was wonderful to have you. And as you take your own journey down the road that is in that is RPGs, I'd love to have you back on to talk about other games that you find tickle your fancy and give you those happy favorite moments down the road. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away your stuff. Yeah, so you can find my work at RP Gamer. Uh, that's where all my review work is. Um, so... Uh, there's a review coming out soon. I don't want to say just to make sure I finish it and have it out. But yeah, review coming out soon of a game that I'm really enjoying. Uh, but you can follow me and all the my work at on my Twitter account at jjansen34, J-J-A-N-S-E-N 34. 
Um, and yeah, my work over at The Gambler. If you like sports and you like sports gambling responsibly, um, you can check out The Gambler at FoxPHOGambler on Twitter. Good stuff. Good stuff. Be sure to check out all of John's stuff and give him a follow. And thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have a favorite RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion. Or you can share your own favorite RPGs directly with me on Twitter at ProfessorRPG. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed. You're the